right, so turn to James 2. Um, we're going to finish out James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. A faith that works. Faith doesn't make things easier. It makes them possible. When we believe in a God who calls things that are not, it's Romans 4, 17. We've all been oppressed or hurt in some way, maybe through illness, maybe through abuse, maybe through bad parenting, maybe through um, bad relationships. Um, I'm sure many of us all have a testimony that we can say we've been hurt. And we have every reason to be angry about it, hurt, bitter, resentful. We have every, every reason to do that with, with those hearts that we've been through. So what do we do with all that? Focus on the evil every day that was done to us. Allow it to dictate my future. Allow it to dictate who I'm going to be. Or do we choose to love and forgive and become more than the sum total of the evil done to us? I pray that that, the latter is what you choose because that's when um, the evil that's been done to us, that's when change happens. That's when you say, um, this is God working and the people who hurt you, when you've been able to forgive them and move on, um, they're like, how is she doing this? You know, how can she do this? And that they're seeing Jesus. And so it, it, it speaks more than just you, the act of it. It's Jesus get, it's getting the glory. Faith demands that tragedy will not have the final word. Faith demands that tragedy will not have the final word. And I see that. I see my friend Christy walking that out right now when her son committed suicide. Um, she's not letting that tragedy have the final word. She is... She is Is it perfect? No, but God doesn't want us to be perfect. Ladies, what we dwell on, we become. All right, so let's read James 2, verse 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted for him to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, So faith without works is dead also. So we're going to hone on in verses 14 through 17, and I titled this Dead Faith. Even in the early church, there were those who claimed they had saving faith, yet did not possess salvation. Wherever there is truth, 
you will find counterfeit. Jesus warned in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he does, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. People with dead faith substitute words for deeds. They know the correct vocabulary for prayer and testimony and can even quote scripture, but their walk does not measure up to their talk. To help a person in need is an expression of love and faith, works by love. Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. The Apostle Paul emphasized this aspect of good works. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? In 1 John three seventeen and 18, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Back to James 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? That kind of faith does not result in changed life, in a changed life, and good works is a false declaration. That kind of faith is a dead faith. One commentator wrote, It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. True saving faith can never be by itself. It always brings life, and life produces good works. The person with dead faith has only an intellectual experience. In her mind, she knows the doctrines of salvation, but she has never submitted herself to God and trust him for, his, for her salvation, for salvation. Faith in Christ brings eternal life. We know that from John 3.16. Yet where there is life, there must be growth and fruit. I used to always say to my girls, um, is there fruit? Like, watch that boy. Is there fruit in his life? Or is he just saying he's a Christian? Beware of mere intellectual faith. Let me illustrate. No one can come to Christ by faith and remain the same. I am not the same, right? We can all attest to that, right? You're different. You're changed. Any more than she can come in contact with a 220-volt wire and be the same. I don't know what we would look like if we came in contact. Maybe we'd be dead. Dead faith is counterfeit faith and will law us into lull. I can never say that word right. Lull. <laughs> us into false counterfeit, like of eternal, like it'll make us feel like we have that safety of eternal life. Okay, let's look at 18 and 19. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show your faith by my works. James wanted to shock the complacent readers, so he used demons. So this part is um, verse 18 to 19 is demonic faith. So we have dead faith. Now we have demonic faith. And you're like, demonic faith? Well, she's really losing her mind tonight. But it says here, right? James wanted to shock them. So he used them as as the illustration. When the Lord ministered on earth, he often cast out demons. We see it all through the word. And he gave the power to his disciples also. Paul often confronted demonic forces in ministry. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, he admonished the early Christians to claim God's protection and defeat the spiritual forces of wickedness. It comes to a shock to people that demons have faith. 
What do demons believe? A, for one, they believe the, the existence of God. Whenever they met Christ when he was on earth, they bore witness to his sonship. We see that in Mark 3, 11, and 12. So they, they knew who he was. They believe in the existence of, of a place of punishment, says that in Luke 8, 31. Also, they also recognize Jesus as judge in Mark 5, 1 through 13. They submit to the power of his will. Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. James says in verse 19, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So they believed. They believed it and they shuddered. The woman with dead faith was touched only, only by her intellect, but the demons are touched also in their emotions. They believe and tremble. But it is not a saving experience to believe and tremble. A person can be enlightened in her mind and stirred in her heart and be lost forever. True saving faith involves something more, something that can be seen and recognized, and that is a changed life. Verse 18 says, Show me your faith without works. Challenge James, and I will show my faith by my works. How can a person show his faith without works? When you trust in Christ, in Ephesians 2.10, you are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Being a Christian involves trusting Christ and living for Christ. You receive the life, then you reveal the life. It's not like we receive it, and then we just, that's it. We don't do anything. Our lives change. Like, I'm, I'm, I was only able to forgive those who hurt me in the way that they hurt me because of Jesus. Like, I often, I have a family member that says, whenever you talk about certain family members, he says he always, like, goes like this. Like, he is just on the edge of his seat wanting to hear what I'm going to say. And I'm like, it's not me. It's the Lord. Like, I wasn't able to forgive. And I'm, I am who I am today because of the Lord, because of Jesus. My life is changed. That slate was clean. I, I, I've laid it at his feet. Like I'm a changed person because of him, because he's allowed it. So I think if we don't maul in it and we give it to the Lord and we allow to be, allow him to change us, we can be freed from those, whatever it might be. And, and I don't know, like some of you, I know some of your stories, but I don't know everybody's hurts or offenses or um, anything, that, whatever it might be that you've walked through and that maybe you're still holding on to and you haven't been able to forgive. Like I've watched a family member struggle with that forgiveness. And I say to that family member, bitterness is going to eat you alive. Like you're literally, it's just, it's destroying you. Um, so we can only forgive with his power with his strength, and it makes us be a changed person. When you trust Christ, Ephesians 2.10, you are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Before a Christian involves trusting Christ and living for Christ, you receive the life, then you reveal the life, right? You receive it, and then you start walking out this new life. It just becomes, he's living in you, and you don't have to be, you know, um, 
You don't have to be holding back. I don't know if you ever saw that skit years ago that was real popular where the chains are holding the person back and they cut the chains off because Jesus died for them. Those chains don't, you don't have to carry that around anymore. You can let it go. And I know it takes, um, you have to trust them. And if you have struggled in trusting, ask the Lord to help you. I know, I know my first memory verse was, trust the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If it was my own understanding, I would have never, I can't understand. I, I don't. So don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. He can do it. He's able. Um, okay, so reveal that beautiful life. James introduced us to two kinds of faith that can never save the sinner. Dead faith, the intellect one. Um, demonic faith, the intellect, and the emotions. Now we're going to close by looking at the only faith that saves us, dynamic faith. So dead faith, demonic faith, and now dynamic faith. What does dynamic faith look like? Verse 20 through 26. We're just going to read that again, okay, because we need this more than anything. But do, you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? He trusted God in that. I don't know. Like That's like mind-blowing to me, that he knew if he went there and put his son, that God was going to provide a way out. Um, that's pretty intense. I don't know if I could have put my little babies up there. That's just very difficult and scary. But he, Abraham, trusted him in that way. It's, we have such examples of faith, men and women of faith in the Bible. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. He obeyed. He was obedient. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we have dynamic dynamic faith here in verse 20 through 26. Dynamic faith, faith that is real faith that has power, faith that results in a changed life. James describes this as true saving faith. Dynamic saving faith is based on the word of God. So there, there you have it, the word of God. That's why we need to be faithful at sitting with him every day. Don't let your flesh say, ah, oh, you don't need that today. Because this is where we get our strength from. This is where we grow. This is where he speaks to us. We receive our spiritual birth through God's word, James 1.18 says. We receive the word, and this saves us in James 1st in 121. Chapter 121. Romans ten seventeen. so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. James, I love it that he uses Abraham and Rahab um, as illustrations of dynamic saving faith, since both of them heard and received the message of God through his word. Dead faith touches only the intellect. Demonic faith involves both the mind and emotions, but dynamic faith involves the will. The mind understands the truth, the heart desires the truth, and the will acts upon the truth. So we understand it, we desire it, but then the will acts it out. We walk it out. The men and women of faith in Hebrews 11 were people of action. God spoke, and they obeyed. 
Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. I'm going to repeat that. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. True saving faith leads to action, and the obedience is not an isolated event. It continues throughout our whole life. So he illustrates here two different lives, Abraham and Rahab, as we saw in our story, and they couldn't be two more different people. I mean, completely, and I love it that he uses Rahab because I just like, oh, Lord, you're such, I mean, for him, it's not like he had all these perfect people. You know, Rahab, she was a harlot. And he uses her in such a a powerful way to show us dynamic faith. Like, I just think that's so precious that the Lord would do that. Um, Abraham was a godly man. Rahab was a sinful woman. Abraham was a friend of God. Rahab was a friend of the enemy, right? The enemy of God. What did they have in common? They both exercised saving faith in God. You can look at this for a more, like, background, like in-depth look for the background facts on Abraham, Genesis 15 through chapter 22, to get more details about that. Um, We just don't have time to do all that um, tonight. God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to lead them into into Canaan. God's plan was to make out of him the great nation of Israel. It was through Israel that God would do what? Bring the Savior of the world. Abraham's salvation experiences in Genesis 15. At night, God showed the servant of the stars and gave him a promise. So shall they see, descendants be. How did Abraham respond in Genesis 15:56? He believed in the Lord and counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham's spiritual bank book was empty. He was bankrupt. But then he trusted God and put righteousness in Abraham's account. Abraham did not work for this righteousness. He received it as a gift from God. Romans 4 teaches he was declared righteous by faith. He was justified by faith. Justification is an act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous on the basis of Christ's finished work on the cross. Right? It's been justified. It is not a process over time. It is an act. It happens at the moment we believe and, and we are saved. It is so, not something the sinner does. It is something God does for the sinner when he trusts Christ. So when we trust it, it is done. It's a once and all event. Done. It never changes. Amen? Right? doesn't change no matter how we act, how we disobey, or how we love him differently one day than the next when our circumstances aren't playing out the way we want them to play out or um, whatever that may be, you fill in the blank. This event in Abraham's life took place many years after James' conversion. Here in verse 21, Abraham was not saved by obeying God's difficult command. His obedience proved that he was already saved. He had to be to be able to obey that. Like, that's, that's hard. Very hard. In verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? You see that faith, his actions, were, they were working together to make complete by what he did. Dynamic, dynamic faith obeys God and proves itself daily in our life. Titus 3.8 says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. And I don't think that's something we have to, you know, go to bed tonight and get up in the morning. All right. 
I got to do good works today. Because if Christ is in you and you are submitted to him, I feel like it's, it's natural. Like it just oozes out of us. Like we want to we wanna be kinder. We want to be more helpful. Are we perfect in it? No. But I feel like it's, it's how we start. Our life is just changed. And it just, it's how we live. So the second illustration is Rahab. And like I said, I love it that he uses her because I just think, you know, her story, she was a harlot. Um, and God chose to use her. Her background for, about her is in Joshua's chapter 2 and chapter 6 to get more details about her story. Israel was about to evade the promised land and take the city of Jericho. Joshua, you all know the story. Joshua sent spies into the city to get the lay of the land. There they met Rahab, a harlot, who protected them and affirmed she believed in what God had said and what God was going to do. When the men departed, they promised to save her and her family when the city was taken, and this they did. Rahab responded with her mind and her emotions, but she also responded with her will. She did something about it. She risked her own life to protect the Jewish Jewish spies. She further risked her own life by sharing that with her family. Rahab could not have had dead faith, a mere intellectual experience, or she could have had demonic faith, just her mind enlightened and emotions stirred, but she had experienced dynamic saving faith. Her mind knew the truth. Her heart was stirred by the truth. Her will acted upon the truth and obedient actions. She proved her faith by her works displayed as the evidence as it was real. When you realize the small amount um, of information that Rahab had, we see truly how marvelous her faith really was. Today, we have a full revelation. We have, we have all this. We have God's word. We live on the other side of the work of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit to enlighten, convict, convince us, to teach, and guide us. James, too, emphasizes that the mature Christian practices the truth. She does not merely ascribe the Bible truth. She lives it out, Bible truths in everyday life. It's not once a week. It's just every day and how we're living our life, you know, and being obedient to him and what he wants us to do. Her faith is not dead or like the demons. It's dynamic and supernatural, just like those we see in scripture in Abraham, Sarah, Rahab, David, and Paul. There's many examples in the Bible. Those whose faith changed their way of life. It changed the way they live. So it is important that we each examine our own heart and life and make sure it passes the test of God's word, of what kind of faith he says is real, that we're that we are being obedient to what he's telling us to do. All right, we're going to end with Psalm 139, 23 through 34. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try or test me, know my thoughts. And if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for just these truths in um, the second part of chapter 2 in James, Lord. Just... Um, that we can have dynamic faith, Lord, by being obedient to you, Lord. Help us to be women who slow down enough, Lord, to hear you and not to be so busy about things that maybe we're not supposed to be being about, Lord, but help us to be um, about what you want us to be doing, Lord. 
And I know that's so hard in a world that we live in, Lord, that constantly is telling us to go, 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 um, to conquer, conquer, or we won't feel like we um, have it all together if we haven't conquered something, Lord. Help us to be women who um, are spending our time daily with you and living out this, Lord, as you call us to. And maybe it may be to just love someone in our family differently, Lord, the way you want us to love them, not the way we think is right, but how you want us to do that, Lord. And as we just head into Christmas not being far away, God, give us the ability, Lord. Help us to be obedient women, Lord. Help us to be obedient daughters to a king who gave it all, Lord. You gave it all for us. So we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time where we get to fellowship and talk with one another and encourage one another. And we just lay it before you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Okay. So when we return, remember, we're going to return and tell anybody who wasn't here tonight, um, because we're missing quite a few, um, we're not going to meet, we're only going to meet January 17th. We will be looking at chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the world's smallest but largest troublemaker. So read ahead. All right, table time.